0: The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was Relationships, and Todd Wilson of Exponential led a track called Mobilize Disciples to Multiply Disciples. Have you signed up for the next National Disciple Making Forum? Every year, disciple makers from across the country and around the world gather together in one place to learn disciple making. Save your seat and register now. You can find a registration link at discipleship.org. At checkout, use promo code PODCAST to get 20% off your tickets. In addition to this podcast, you'll find many other great discipleship resources at discipleship.org as well. Now here's today's track session.
1: My name is Todd Wilson. I am uh, I a uh, founder of a ministry called Exponential. and a co-founder of discipleship.org that's running the conference here. So we've kind of got our foot in both. Um, both sides. Ralph Moore if you'll raise your hand Ralph. Ralph is uh, a pastor part of our exponential team and he'll be uh, kind of co-leading the session here and then the one this afternoon. So what what I need to do um, and those that were here in the first session you're just gonna be patient for about three minutes because I'm gonna do the real quick minimum update for the people that weren't here in the first session to help a little bit more make sense of what we're gonna do in this session. for those that weren't here, if you just mathematically, there's five, five kinds of things in math. Subtraction, the minus sign, plateauing, adding, reproducing, and multiplying. And if you take all of the churches in the United States and put them into one of those five categories, um, this mm-hmm. picture basically takes the five. Uh, subtraction, plateauing, adding, reproducing, and multiplying. Um, 80% of U.S. churches are either subtracting or plateauing. About 16% of U.S. churches are in a growth orientation and adding. And then only 4% of churches are reproducing or multiplying. Um, And so most of us are here because we're interested in discipleship. Um, It was said from the main stage yesterday uh, that we don't see disciple-making movements in the United States. Um, The same thing is true of church planting. We don't see actual multiplication movements in the United States. That's the, at level five, the zero percent. You can find a few examples of things that are touching on it, but we're not seeing sustained disciple-making movements or church planting movements. What we do at Exponential is, if you just boil down our kind of mission, we want to see this four percent at level four and five Increase to greater than 10 percent and so we are nutty every year um, we we put together resources frameworks for those that weren't here at exponential.org um, especially if you go to exponential.org forward slash ebooks all of our ebooks are free there's over a hundred ebooks there um, all of the content we're going to cover in this session is in a free e- one of the free ebooks that you can uh, can get there so you don't need to worry about taking notes too frantically but in, in this idea of seeing the scorecard move from level, uh, you know, from the levels one, two, and three to where we get more in four and five, we're really intentional about what resources we put together. You might ask the question, well, why would Exponential be involved in co-founding Discipleship.org? And, and the answer to that is, um, we can't see church multiplication movements without disciple-making movements being at the core. So what I like to tell Bobby Harrington all the time is that. He's getting in our way. Like the discipleship guys are getting in our way. The discipleship guys would just get their act together. We'd be able to see church multiplication happening better. So, But we want to be part of the solution, so that's why we're part of discipleship.org. Um, what we did was we had for about a year and a half a team of uh, leaders from across the country, denominations, networks, pastors, that worked on this level five framework that took... Um, And and let me me just be real clear. You're not going to go into the Bible and find five levels. Okay? But here's the deal. The God of the universe that created mathematics chose to create mathematics and the physical world in a way that everything has a season. Subtracting, plateauing, adding, reproducing, multiplying. There's a life cycle to it. And even though you won't find in the Bible the five levels, you will find everywhere in nature, from the human life cycle to organizational life cycles, you will find those five mathematical principles because it is the way God has designed the universe. All we're trying to do is instead of making up a man-made thing, we're saying let's just put churches into the mathematical categories that God's already done. This idea that every church is going to go through those kinds of seasons, what we would like to see, our churches experience the abundance of reproduction and multiplication. That make sense? So here's what happened. For a year and a half, we had um, a team of people looking at these five levels. For those that weren't here, the red here so you can make sense out of it, at level three addition, just imagine there's a big magnet <clears throat> right there, okay? And in today's operating system, if you can think of the church in the United States, think on your phones. You've either got an Android or an iPhone probably, so you probably have one of two operating systems. You can't take apps from an Android and use them on an iPhone. You can't take the iPhone apps and use them on an Android. The operating system of the US church right now is what we would call a level one through three operating system. So picture the magnet here. In this operating system, I said this in the last session, unfortunately, you can grow a big church in the United States and not love Jesus. Because we have a franchise model. If you just do the right things with the right charisma in place, you can grow a big church. And it says nothing about the fruit of disciple making. Or, I mean, it really is a sad thing that you don't need to love Jesus to grow a big church. <clears throat> That's the the downside of this one through three. And here's what I mean by it. Get your killer programs in place, get the best children's ministry around, get the best music going around, have the best outreach programs around, have the best marketing around, get all those really good things in place in the formula, and you'll grow a big church if everything comes together the right way. But here's the deal, a magnet works both ways. Those very things, the buildings that we take debt out on, the staff that we won't let go that helped us grow big, the programs we put in place to grow, all those things we go after for growth are the very things that hold us back from reproduction and multiplication. I'm gonna suggest to you that the reason less than 4% of U.S. churches ever reproduce or multiply, and let that sink in what that means. Imagine what happens in the United States if 96 percent of people never have kids just let it sink in what happens if 96 percent never have kids Hmm. that's the situation we have in the united states is that 96 percent of churches never have kids okay and we've got to look at that and say something's wrong with the scorecard like that's not the way god intends it to be so why are less than four percent of churches ever reproducing and the answer is it's it has to do with our scorecard and our operating system what is the operating system that we've got in place that's limiting natural reproduction and multiplication from happening does that make sense so I'm going to take a breath and say if if that that's what we're going to talk about in this session if if that's not why you're here and you want to go find another workshop it's fine to get up and go. I just want to make sure everybody's where they want to be kind of thing so don't feel bad if you're going um, this team that met for a year and a half they really tried to press into this and the challenge we had Ralph was part of the team Ralph Moore is one of the only level five Church leaders that we could find in America with a level five church. Um, we had a, a number of level four, very strong level four church leaders in the group. Um, and then we had networks and denominational leaders in the group. And let me just say that three of the strong le- the, all three of the strong level four church leaders that were in the group, in their 50s, early 60s, they had planted their church. Their, all of them probably a hundred or more churches that have been involved in church planning and every one of them in the process of going through this had to wrestle with the question i think i'm going to need to leave my church and go plant a new church to get to level five now we because we didn't have enough churches to study in the united states that were at level five we were really careful about what we were publishing we didn't want to say you can't go from levels 1 and through 4 to 5. But here's the reality. We've not published this. I firmly believe at this point that the picture, in my mind, looks more like this. And that still doesn't mean that you can't get from 1 through 4 to 5. Ralph made it. Ralph would be from a,
2: from a 2, a to, two a to a 4 and then, four and
1: then, to, and then to a 5. That is not the norm. We can't find a lot of churches that that's the case. And here's why, I think. The operating system that produces this, there's an operating system, is a different operating system that produces this. And so you have to wrestle with the question, can evolutionary change get us from 1 through 4 to 5? or does it take revolutionary change? I.e., I'm switching from the Android to the iPhone or vice versa kind of thing. Does that make sense? So what we're gonna do now, this team of people looked internationally at what was happening and looked at the few examples of level five we could. We ended up coming up with, and I think it's in, it's in the Dream Big, all of these books are free, so I'm not trying to promote books here, but the Dream Big Plan Smart Free eBook Uh, We we put the results of the ten characteristics that we saw at level five. It's also in the multipliers um, Book that we did and so though here's the problem. We had ten characteristics that that you see happening at level five Most people can't remember ten. I can't I couldn't remember the ten when we had the list of ten I still can't remember the ten right now, but uh, I can remember three and so we took the ten and we could group those 10 things down into what we now call three dimensions of multiplication that, make, that should make up a healthy operating system at level five. Now, part of what we needed to do is validate. This has been a great trip for us to this time to discipleship.org for this reason. We've had several international movements that we've been able to see that the three <clears> dimensions <throat> I'm going to show you are validated in their things. But Shadonke Johnson, who's here that did the opening session, We got to spend four hours with them on the front end of the conference doing interviews on this. What they're doing is 100% in sync with the three dimensions I'm getting ready to to show you. Now, we're missing one. So I'm just going to give you the disclaimer right up front that the big takeaway. I'm going to show you three dimensions, but the prayer and fasting piece that everything starts with I am totally convicted in the US. I get to see the whole landscape of church planting in the United States and what everybody's doing and all the stuff from the viewpoint of Exponential. There is such a radical difference between what we're doing in the US, the approach to it, and what's happening where you see level five overseas. The way I've described it to our team over the last day or two is I feel like in the US context. We're like trying to figure out how to high jump 11 inches instead of 10 inches. Like we're putting all these efforts into how do we, how do we go from high jumping, you know, from 10 inches to 11 inches? And you've got these international movements that are high jumping 6 foot 6 inches kind of thing, and we're down here trying to figure out how to make little tweaks. So this is all even a work in progress for us at Exponential. I feel good that the three dimensions we're going to go through right now, absolutely, you see them internationally but I just want to give you the thing that the prayer and fasting dimension you're here in Wishadonke, it's missing in our three dimensions. It's going to get added into our three dimensions at this point, okay? Any questions before you go? Could you just tell me why do we want to multiply? I mean, why is this so important that we want to get to four and five? I would ask the, I would go, now's where I would go back biblically. And if I say, if I just go to to Noah and to Adam, be fruitful and multiply, and i go to jesus with the 100 be faithful with little faithful with much well done good and faithful servant if you're faithful with the little you'll see the 100 times return don't we see the fruitfulness in all of jesus teaching that if we will do what he wants us to do multiplication and reproduction will be the fruit so what i this is subtle but what i would say to you is no our goal our our focus shouldn't be reproduction and multiplication our focus should be on the things that Jesus taught and did, that if we do them, the fruit will be reproduction and multiplication. I you
2: believe that best happens through the multiplication of churches?
1: I believe that best happens starting with disciple-making. That's where we're headed right now. It starts with disciple-making. And what, what I would say is this. It's why I was saying earlier. We are not seeing disciple-making movements in the United States. We aren't seeing what we would call level five disciple-making movements. Okay? I can't be successful at Exponential on church planting and multiplication movements. It's why I I jokingly with my best friend, Bobby Harrington, that's running discipleship.org, say, you're my problem. I can't be successful at my job in church planting and multiplication because the operating system in the church, the way we're doing it, is not doing disciple-making Jesus' way. If we can get the church doing disciple-making Jesus' way, then we will see as a fruit, I think, the overflow of this. So am I I being clear on that? The the goal isn't, oh, let's go multiply and reproduce. The goal is let's go be faithful with doing what Jesus says. And the measure that we can use is are we seeing it? I would turn it the other way and say the fact that we're only seeing 4% says we are not being faithful to what Jesus says the way to do it is.
2: And, and when you say I mean it, it, the scripture says that none should perish. And we're we're losing ground, church is shrinking in America because of the operating system that we're up that we're using. We, we we have to find a way to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples or or we're losing everything. Yeah. We're not doing the Great Commission.
1: We'll get in, the, third, the, the workshop this afternoon uh, on mobilization will go after what part of where you're headed with it, too, of if, if, if from Ephesians, if, if G, the fullness of Jesus can fill everything in every way, and the church then has a role, the church is the fullness of Jesus into every crack and cranny of society, how does the church and its people fill every nook and cranny of society? Can can it do it if it didn't have church multiplication things going on? It, it, so that makes sense. Mm. Are you going to be sharing in this session about um, you know you said your church is a level four as an mm-hmm. example?
0: Like like what are, are these three things? What your church needs to do to uh, you be- know what,
3: yes.
1: Okay. In fact, I, that's what I'll talk about. I'll, I'll link these three things okay. to to my church. Okay. Any other questions as we get going? <clears throat> And we will have time, we're, Ralph and I are building in Q and A time here at the end, so. Um, Alright. Um, we took those ten factors, boiled them down to the three. Here's, I'm an engineer by trade for those that, that weren't in the first section. So, you I, I'm not, I can't do the teaching without some kind of graphs and stuff. So I'm going <laughs> to bring one more concept into, in, into uh, things here. Who knows what a tension diagram is? Any, any engineers in here? This is totally faster, so this will be good. So here's what a tension diagram is. Um, Have you ever in ministry felt like you're drawn to the demands of there's a lot of nights a week you have to do stuff at church, but you'd really like to spend more time with your kids? (laughs) How many people in here make as much money as they would like to make in ministry, okay? And maybe you do but a lot of people, there's this tension that when you're serving in ministry your salary isn't real high and so there's a whole lot of adjustments and things you've got to do. So the tension is, how do you do full-time ministry with a lot of places ministry salaries? So a tension diagram is simply getting those factors that, that are in tension that we've got to figure out how to manage tension. So when I'm talking about three dimensions of multiplication, it's really three tensions that have to be managed, okay? So here's how I'm gonna draw it. I'm gonna do a generic drawing first. Um, So I just wanna get this one concept. If, imagine this line represents the tension we're talking on one end might be I want more time with my kids but ministries demanding more time on the other end so I've <clears> got to figure out how to if you wanted to say it's a tug-of-war that one end could wind out over the other and you got to figure out how to balance it so there's one dimension the first dimension that we're going to end up talking about it has an addition component and it has a multiply component don't worry about what they are right now just there is an addition piece and there's a multiplication piece. Um, all multiplication happens out of addition. Addition is not bad. Okay, um, the, We see throughout the New Testament the body of Christ doing what God wants, being faithful to what God wants, and God adds to their number daily. We see Jesus spend three years with 12 people. He's adding, He's showing a model of adding one at a time addition is not bad it's where where we go off track is when the way we do addition hinders the multiplication or we allow the addition if it's tug of war if the multiplication is tugging against the addition and we just cut off the multiplication then the additions gonna win Does that make sense so I want you to now picture three dimensions Multiplication and they all have to be balanced. You've got to figure out how to balance them because to balance them means, I want you to think level five disciple making movements, level five multiplication is figuring out how to keep this balance. There's a tug of war going on in all six directions, and we got to keep the bullseye right here. Does that make sense? So what happens if we cut off the multiplication dimensions? Where does the red dot go on this diagram? It ends up somewhere, if you just take sort of the center of the addition thing, it goes off track. I want to suggest to you, with that picture in your mind, that level 3 versus level 5 the level three operating system that's the prevailing measure of success in the u.s church produces that dot rather than that dot okay so what we're going to talk about in the session i'm going to walk you through these six tugs the three dimensions and what the tugs are in the different directions okay any questions so far because we've got q a time to open. ask ask it as a question so if if you had to guess uh, I, I said there were ten kind of characteristics that we boiled down that you could group down to three what do you think the first dimension is based on what we've been talking about so far anybody want to venture a guess if you were you're writing a book on on multiplication movements around the world What do you think the first core thing, I've already said we missed the prayer and fasting, so let's push that one aside for a minute. You're past prayer and fasting, so what's the next characteristic? Start small. Start small. Somebody, is that what you said? Leadership development. Leadership development. Disciple making. Disciple making. I'm gonna, uh, for sake of time, disciple making, if we, think about this, if we don't put disciple making as the core thing we're doing, What will distinguish what we end up working on from everybody else in the world? How will what we start be different than Starbucks, Walmart, Google, Amazon? Aren't we just going to start some great enterprise if we don't put disciple making at the core? Let me ask it this way, um, and I don't want to offend anybody with this, but if, let's say, we could put... An epitaph on a tombstone for Jesus he doesn't have a tombstone but let's say we could put an epitaph Jesus an activist for fill in the blank we're going to pick one thing okay Jesus an activist for fill in the blank this is the most politically incorrect thing I'm going to say all day okay (laughs) let me tell you would not well if you had to pick one thing I'm going to tell you what would not be on the tombstone it would not be Jesus and activist for social justice, racial reconciliation, the Me Too movement, the, the fill in the blank of the plethora of all of the activist causes. They would not be what would be on Jesus' tombstone. Because if you do the analogy to the hand, the fingers are all of the causes that everybody gets, all of those things I just mentioned multi-ethnic churches, racial reconciliation, all the things are the fingers. The hub of the hand is disciple-making. If you don't get the hub of the hand right, you've got all these individual fingers that are trying to scream out for what they want to do, and a finger not attached to anything can't do anything. What happens to a finger that's not attached to a hand? It dies, and it's just dead on the ground. I would suggest to you that the, and it's getting worse, that the avalanche of causes that are out there right now that are not rooted in disciple making at the <clears> core <throat> are just all these fingers that are screaming, and yet you can predict where it's going. It's not going anywhere. What difference is it going to make if you've got causes that are not attached to disciple making? So I would suggest to you, Jesus, an activist for disciple making. It's go and make disciples, teaching them to obey. I mean, it's what he gave us the command to do. So first dimension. um, So let's take disciple making. And I, I want to do this in two ways. So let's do Jesus' way of disciple making. And then we'll compare it to how the level three operating system in the U.S. church does it. So on the addition end of the spectrum, what was Jesus' method of disciple making for adding? Right. What? He, 12. He, 12. he twelve. he invited twelve. Follow me. Relational. Follow me. Keep keeps relational. Small. Life life. One on one at a time. Life life. So Jesus' method of adding was relational. <clears throat> One at a time. So again, we don't have to feel bad on the multiplication thing. I mean, Jesus showed us a method that what led to multiplication was adding one at a time relationally. What was his method of multiply? What's the multiply? Sending people out. Sending. What? Teaching. Teaching. Making disciples who
2: make
1: disciples. Making disciples that make disciples. I'm, I'm gonna come back to the teaching thing. So a disciple who makes a disciple. <clears throat> now look at this. It, it, it's just so pathetically simple. Like it we just miss. This is the core goose laying the golden egg. Add a disciple. <clears throat> Who makes a disciple. Who makes a disciple. Who makes a disciple. Who makes a disciple. This is just a back and forth. Te- the, the, the Jesus way of multiplication is disciples who make disciples. It's that simple. Like, that, that, you don't have to go any farther than that. Let's jump to the teaching thing. Okay? What did Jesus do for three... It, it, it It's mind-boggling to me that... Jesus could have, for three years, filled up. He could have been the most listened-to person in the history of the world. He could have, every day of the week, got thousands of people together for teaching. <clears throat> Just think how many coliseums he could have filled in three years with what he was doing, with what he was teaching. He actually didn't choose to do the big group teaching as the method of multiplication. He chose to pick 12 that he would invest in one at a time. Disciple relationally, disciple who makes a disciple who makes a disciple. That makes sense?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, let's talk about the level three operating system in the church. What is our approach for addition? <coughs> Outreach. Well, let me ask this question first. Do we do one at a time?
3: No. No, bro. No.
1: Think about it before I think about it. Like in what ways do we do one at a time and in what ways don't we do one at a time? Personal evangelism. Inviting There's personal someone, evangelism. Invite someone to come with me. Invite someone to come with me. Come and see. Yeah. Right? What, what all do we do? How do we add, add one at a time?
3: Programs. What's Program.
1: that? Program. Pro, programmatic. Can we just say if Jesus' way was relational, our way is programmatic. in what ways is, is it programmatic how, how much energy does the average church put into a sunday into sunday if you could add up the salaries the time the energy the the the, the, the number that most people will cite is that in the level three operating system in the u.s church 80 percent of the energy of a church goes into into several hours on sunday morning I'm gonna to suggest to you it does not get any more programmatic than that because now that eighty percent the Sunday morning think about what happens on Sunday morning where do you meet I got to have a facility and if we're actually growing the way you want to at level three I got to take on debt or I got to do capital campaigns what do you do in that building on Sunday morning you got to have a killer good if your band isn't better than the music down the street, you're toast. If your children's ministry isn't better than the one down the street, you're toast. But how do we reach new people? We got to have killer good marketing campaigns. We got to have killer good outreach events. There's there's this massive programmatic thing that we do to get to add one at a time. I still would say that in general, most churches are adding one at a time. It isn't like there's a whole lot of things that are 50 people at once are coming to know Jesus. It it is a one at a time in the positive. The problem is we've cut off the relational part of how it is. The very best we do relationally is we do all we can as a church to get people to invite their friends to come to church. But if that's all it is, that's not disciple making. That's then it's definitely not Jesus' way of disciple making, right? So what happens, what happens if programmatic is the way we add? How do we multiply? Somebody said we don't. Satellite. We we satellite, we add a campus, we add a church service. Aren't those the two most frequent things we do? We're growing programmatically so we add another worship service and we add a third worship service and then we don't have any more time spots to do we add a campus we just keep adding more capacity so that we can add more one at a time pro think about every one of those things we add another worship service so we increase our programmatic capacity we add another campus we increase our programmatic capacity we're simply focusing on programmatic capacity and whoever said we cut off multiplication I'm going to suggest to you in terms of discipleship there is no multiplication I mean just getting bigger crowds to come listen to a Sunday morning service is not multiplication we pretty much cut off this end of the spectrum that making sense and I'm going to suggest to you when we when we do the next two dimensions This is the elephant in the room. This is the beast. This is the problem right here, that we are taking a programmatic approach in the operating system of church rather than a relational discipleship approach. This one thing throws the whole rest of the system off. If if we could get Shadonke Johnson up here to be talking to us about what they're doing, in four hours of interviews with them, I I couldn't extract a program (laughs) in four hours of interviews I couldn't extract a program it is relational discipleship with relational gatherings with obedience based discipleship it's get this statistic that Shadonke told us they do discovery Bible studies and so the average person who gets into a discovery Bible study with them who gives their life to Jesus Guess what the average time is till that new convert starts a group?
3: Three months.
1: Six weeks. Just imagine that. Imagine. Try to put that in the U.S. context of small groups. Okay. Here's what would happen. We wouldn't even let it happen. Because why not? Why would we not let it happen?
3: We don't think they're
1: mature enough. We have programs that have controls on them that that kind of chaos would put wreak havoc into our programs. We just couldn't stomach it. That makes sense? So I'm suggesting to you, this is like the kryptonite of our existence right here. Okay? All right, any questions on this spectrum before we go to the second? Just to
2: comment,
0: his society is, you know, if you look at the book Foreign and Familiar, his climate, his culture is completely different. It's mm-hmm. a relational culture. And unfortunately, the U.S. is the the other way. Mm-hmm. And things like streaming, you know, putting your, your yep. services on the Internet yep. are just mm-hmm. making it worse sure. in a lot of ways. Because we started streaming recently at our church, and we've had people who were active attenders who stopped coming right. so they could sit home and watch it. Right. I think that's church. Right, and
1: I'm I'm not here to say it's easy. Like it, it, it's a challenge. It like our culture challenge. makes it a challenge. Right. I think the question we have to keep asking is, it that's the leadership part of it. There's a challenge, but we we have to come back to it and say, are we suggesting that Jesus' simple method doesn't work in our culture and our time? Of course. And, of
2: course, we're not saying
1: that. And, and the and, question is, how do we get it to work?
2: And research is showing that millennials and Generation Z are highly critical of the way we're doing church, and they're they're crying for relational yeah. situations. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily to be discipled, because they don't understand that, non-believers, but they're, but they're going, the church doesn't offer what I need, and what I need is friendships. Mm-hmm. But, but can
3: I just say that I
2: think we have to be careful in saying that all... Like you're not saying that all programs. No, I'm absolutely not I mean, saying all programs. are. I, right. I would also say that even our discipleship methods, even though they're highly relational, they're actually, they're programmatic because they have
1: some content and curriculum, or there's some sort of systematized um, uh, there's sometimes type, type of system which makes it programmatic in right. nature, even though it's. A, so I would just say that we're not looking at programs. all, oh,
3: you know, they're evil.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's a matter of emphasis. Uh, it's a ma- I'm absolutely saying that we are putting programs so strongly yeah. as our strategy yeah. that it, it. It, if we're, I, look, I'm on staff at a church. I'm a missionary out of our church. I love the church. So, and I was an executive pastor for a bunch of years. I've lived the stresses of it. Okay, if we're really honest, in the level three operating system are we trying to get people to live as a family 24 7 lifestyle the way the early church did the answer is no if we can just get them to pick three give us three hours a week give us an hour in worship give us an hour in small group give us an hour serving and as soon as we go down that path give us your compartmentalize give us the three hours give us the three hours okay we've lost the war and that's that's the champ but that is the challenge of culture that is our challenge to try to maneuver and it's why i want to keep coming back to the approach here of the three dimensions is to say all right yep we're in a different culture in a different time with different stresses so what are the core irreducible elements that if we're going to try to maneuver what the future landscape looks like ralph moore's going to talk to us in the third session this afternoon. He spent over a year, this is a guy that's a level five movement guy, okay, who's convinced that the future in this culture is a vocational micro church focus. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And we'll get into this afternoon talking about, there's a whole lot of reasons for that, that, that get you there, but, and it doesn't mean that what we keep, that what we're currently doing we stop doing, but if we're looking to the future, at how do we implement the kinds of irreducible minimums we're talking about in this culture? Let me just suggest to you, the bigger elephant in the room than programmatic stuff here is pastors who want to draw a full-time salary in ministry.
3: Amen.
1: And I, I, I've been in full-time ministry, and I'm telling you, it, that that's the bigger... Follow the money. Just follow the money. Okay? The average church in America is born with 40 people. It takes about 100 people to support the full-time salary of a full-time pastor and the overhead that goes with that pastor. There's a reason, the good news is the average church that's born with 40 grows to 80 in the first five years if it survives. Guess what starts to happen when they get toward 80? It's starting to stretch the abilities of that one full-time pastor. The elders start having the conversation, if only we had some more money, we need to hire that youth pastor and that fill in the blank thing. If we can just grow a little bit more, we can afford to get the second person. Look what that's doing. It's trapping them in this level one through three mindset. They're in scarcity at level one and two. they They're Desiring level three because it's the solution to their financial problem and look what happens anybody know the average size of the average church in America
3: It's like
1: 92 and There's a reason that it's 92 You born at 40 you grow to 80 in five years one pastor can't support more than 100 people the church doesn't have the money to hire a second person and you plateau below, below 100. If, if, here's, here's what would happen, I, if, if I could just as a strategist like be the one-nothing vote on the US Church,
3: <laughs>
1: I would make elder boards hire their second person, hire a second, in the current model, I would make them hire a second person when they're 70 to 80 people because it would either be the catalyst to springboard them into growth Or it would kill them and either way would be okay but I'm not being harsh in that I'm just saying everything has a season so you know get we're getting off track Um, did I answer your question on programmatic okay so second dimension let's let's say that we're really successful at doing it Jesus way Let, let's pretend we are doing it Jesus way a level five kind of thing and the simple deal is add one who makes one who makes one who makes one let's say we're doing that let's pretend that the house church movement in America is doing this it's not doing it but let's pretend it was doing it okay what would happen if a house church meeting in houses was actually killing it on this, was doing really well. Wouldn't
0: have a big enough
1: house. They wouldn't have a big enough house. So what would happen? They start
0: another church. They'd start another church. Start another church.
1: Start another church.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: One would become two, two would become four, four would become eight, and you would have <coughs> multiplication. Because one's two, two's four, four's eight. Let me see a show of hands of. In the last 10 years how many people know more than three different people in three different house churches look around the room okay it isn't very many now I'm not I believe the future in this micro church thing is a is a form of house church it's just different than the way it's been being done okay and so if we're successful at disciple making, the fruit of that causes an overflow to happen. That we've got to do something about it. Okay. Now, in the, let me bring it to the U.S. context. What would be our tendency if we were really successful at disciple making, and we're making really good disciples? How would we use the fruit of that? Grow, organization. Grow our organization. Right. Above. <laughs> write a book <laughs> we, we would if, if you think about it and remember we're now into what the programmatic part the fruit of how we would mobilize people so let's let's the second dimension is mobilization we would we would have to figure out these disi- when the twelve and Jesus go, he says go and make disciples we got to decide what the go means like what does it mean to mobilize does that make sense? So let me ask you this, let's stick with, with Jesus and the in the New Testament church. What's and you gotta really think through this one, in mobilization, what's actually the addition into mobilization? In the think the early church, the Acts 2 church. What did it mean to mobilize people? Persecution. They're in persecution. But the the family of God, what is mobilization in the early church? House to house. House to house. Think about, it. it, we we did several years ago at Exponential a theme on evangelism and we we went through the New Testament like three times trying to really extract what is the normative primary method of evangelism in the New Testament? And I'm gonna suggest to you, it's insiders behaving in a way that outsiders want to be part of what the insiders are doing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It, in other words, it's the family of God being the family of God, showing the rest of the world how a family ought to behave. So, love for one another. On the addition end, what you've got is living in common. This is the, this is the the church's family. This is the one-anothers. This is the caring for one another, taking care of one another. It's the behaving internally, showing what a model family should look like, that outsiders want to be part of it inside.
3: Would you consider that an attractional model?
1: Yes. That's, that's why we can't just trash addition. The, think about who doesn't. That is the, new, the first century churches. It's an attractional model. Outsiders want to be like insiders. And it's how the numbers are being added daily.
2: So that's Acts 2 to 5 this is Acts 2 to 5 and and the other end is probably going to start with Acts 8 to 11 so what in the New Testament what's the
1: multiply in it's sending it's live if this is living in common Mm -hmm. this is living
3: deployed
1: now look at the tension even in the first century church Man, did they really want to be sending the people they were sending? Like, man, they're they're such a great teacher, they're prophetic. They're part, you know, it's like there's this tension that the very leaders that are helping build a strong family are the same kind of leaders that are being sent. So there's a there's a tension on it. Right? Now this is the the Jesus way. Let's now jump to what's our way. So Let's let's start with addition at the level three thing. When it comes to mobilization, here's what I want to say. What time do we go till?
3: Eleven,
2: I think.
1: Eleven. 11. 11. Okay, um, I'm going to pick up the pace. We can go to today. Um, here's here's what happens with us on the addition end. I'm going to suggest to you, there is not a better volunteer mobilization organization in the history of the world than the U.S. Church. If you, Ron Edmondson in the back was just giving me a statistic. Ron, what was the statistic last night that you gave, like one point some trillion dollars of the church adding? 1.2 trillion. 1.2 trillion. Get this, if I, I believe if you took the number of volunteer hours a week that the U.S. church mobilizes and you could somehow add up the next 10 organizations behind the church, you wouldn't have the volunteer hours that the church is mobilizing. The church just dwarfs everyone else. Now, assign a minimum, assign $8 an hour to the volunteer hours that are being generated by the church every week. You now have an economy, the church economy of volunteer hours put on an hourly wage is greater than over half of the countries in the world. What we're mobilizing. Now here's the question what are we doing with that economy if we've got one of the top economies in the world with volunteers our approach to adding is volunteerism Is that that making sense yeah oh i'm sorry of mobilizing on the addition end is is a volunteer thing now here's the question why is that take so many people to do the program Look, this is why I said this is the elephant in the room the reason volunteerism trumps the family living together part of it the one another's is it's a busy culture they got all kinds of stuff to do we got to get three hours a week out of them so and we got to run our programs
2: so Philip in the first part of Acts is doing that but in Acts 8 Philip, because of persecution, is mobilized and goes into Samaria. Right. The
1: problem is we don't know how to go. I mean, that one person doesn't know how to go into a new area or a new place and find new people in the Right. Well, it, it part of it is, it, let's go down that path in the third session today, but we've got to ask, why, why not? It, it, could it be that the church just doesn't see its role in that way?
2: No.
1: Like, no. I would suggest to you, we don't even have to argue over this one. If less than four percent of churches ever reproduce, and ninety-six percent are never having kids, we don't even have to argue over it. No. We're not doing it.
2: Well, it's back to the magnet, right? We can't let them go.
1: We can't let them go. Why can't if the magnet explains it? Why can't we let them go? We need 900 people. To do we it. need 900 people to run our children's ministry. Yeah, they're,
3: they're, the
1: people yeah. we would let go are funding the capital campaign. Yeah. The, the the worship leader. It, how could we let go of this worship leader? He's mm-hmm. part of why our great Sunday morning thing's happening. Is that that making sense? Yeah. Let me give you one more analogy on this one um, for the mobilization. I'm. Uh, I'm engineer by background, Navy. Anybody been on an aircraft carrier? All right. Served on one?
3: No. All right.
1: Um, an aircraft carrier. Get this. An aircraft carrier has 5,000 people on board. It is a floating city. All right. What is the mission of an aircraft carrier? Can anybody want to venture a guess? Mission of an aircraft carrier. It carries. The Project aircraft. air power. Okay. It carries airplanes. Project what air else? power. What Project air power. Here's what I want to suggest to you. If an aircraft carrier never launched an airplane, why is it any different than a cruise ship? Like an aircraft carrier is to forward deploy airplanes where the aircraft carrier can't go. It's to carry firepower where the carrier can't go. Now get this, there's 5,000 people on board of an aircraft carrier, there's 120 airplanes there's 200 pilots to fly the 120 airplanes. How many people are supporting the 200 uh, pilots? There's 4,800 people on an aircraft carrier who are cooking, cleaning, turning valves, running equipment so that 200 pilots can fly airplanes. I'm gonna suggest to you in, in the bad way so goes the aircraft carrier so goes the way we do church in the united states
3: mm-hmm.
1: if the church is 5000 people there's 200 paid professionals mm-hmm. that are flying the planes and it takes 4800 volunteers to support the programmatic aspect of those professionals doing their deal mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. Uh, one second the the metaphor we have to think about is that the way the church is this tension Is we need to be a family of 5,000 people and every one of the 5,000 do what it takes for the family. Hold babies, turn clean, run events, whatever it is we've decided we were going to do, we got to have 5,000 people doing it and simultaneously we need 5,000 people seeing themselves as everyday mission areas to everyday mission fields where they work, live, and play. And if we as a church don't see all 5,000 of those people as an everyday missionary, with, with we're setting up a come-and-see orientation. We're, we're setting up that very invite-your-friend-come-to-the-Sunday-morning thing. By letting it be the aircraft carrier, we, we, let, let me go one more thing. Because we're not doing this, we're not flying planes beyond the walls of the church, so what are we?
2: Cruise ship,
1: we are a cruise ship. The U.S. church. We are a cruise ship that's a holding pen for cultural Christians. That's the metaphor that's that's there. You had a question? Yeah, I Well, I actually comment on the aircraft carrier. I actually had that picture of the church too, and how I heard that it takes eight miles for the aircraft carrier to turn. Slow turn. It's a and big And so, slow if turn. you're the church and the
0: seasons are changing and things change a lot, we tend to hold on to our programs and our ministries and things that should have moved on from one season we can't turn them right
3: yeah.
1: and what's here's what's really cool I I remember the first time I wrote an aircraft carrier I was up on the deck when it was leaving and you had all these speed boats that were having fun with the aircraft carrier the aircraft carrier is just majestically like floating through the water and it's, the turn is like you're talking about it's a big turn and you've got all these little speed boats that are just running circles around the aircraft carrier I mean they're doing it and I'm thinking man, how fun is that like you know man I want to be a I want to be one of those little speed boats but then you got to think the, five, the 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 capacity of the aircraft carrier think about what the church is it's Jesus plan it is the capacity for something bigger than the little for something bigger to happen and in fact the third dimension is, for lack of a better word, we're going to call this capacity building, and I'll define what that means. Just if you want to use the word church, here, and there's an addition in and a multiply in. So when I say capacity building, here's what here's what I want you to think: inside your body are bones, and if if someone is a three hundred pound person, they have a bigger bone structure. Than somebody who's a 75 pound person you just the bones have to support the meat and the flesh and what's gonna gonna be there capacity is simply the infrastructure to support whatever's going on okay if I say to you go get a gallon of milk out of the refrigerator you get the picture of a gallon of milk And what's a gallon of milk it can hold a certain content the 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 capacity of one gallon it holds a certain amount okay so here's what you have to think about we'll go back to the house church analogy let's say we're doing really well at disciple making we're making disciples that are making disciples so we've got growth happening and let's say we're mobilizing them the right way we're gonna have to deal with Jesus was able to have three years Of showing us disciple making and commanding the mobilization part but he didn't stick around long enough for the messiness of how to scale all of that (laughs) that's why we see all these letters in the New Testament of Paul dealing with all the messiness of how to scale it capacity building is how do you scale these other two dimensions how do you take the other two dimensions and help them go bigger does that make sense and and so again there's an addition end and there's a multiply end so if you're thinking now capacity if addition is and, and I, I want you to think local so and in this case we build we add local capacity in the church so think about how you add capacity in your local church how do you do that buildings staff programs budgets we, we add and, and those aren't bad things. But we, we add local, so this is local capacity. And then how do we multiply capacity? Planting. It should be planting churches. Mm-hmm. And, and you can put multi-site in here too. I mean, there, multi-site is a form of, it, you, you, we can argue over whether it's local, or beyond local and depending on what the motive of it is multi-site might be there and it might be there okay we've already said we're not doing this less than four percent of churches Mm -hmm. right so let's talk about the local capacity if programmatic is our approach to adding disciples and volunteerism is our approach volunteerism to I should have mentioned this Um, Bob Buford uh, from leadership network and halftime used the motto um, you know you're either an organization that's we can do it you can help or you're an organization that is you can do it how do I help you Home Depot's motto used to be you can do it how can we help you so I would suggest to you that the church at level three functions with a we can do it we can do the program you as a volunteer can help us do the program. As soon as you move to the multiply ends, the only way the multiply end works is a you can do it. How can we, it goes back to the the issue of sending people or why aren't we sending more people? It's because the church has to take a posture of, hey, you can do it, you can go start that church, you can go do, you can go do, how can we help you do that? But our programmatic volunteer thing is so strongly local, we just don't have the bandwidth or the ability to design church the way we're doing it right now to have the you can do it, we can help mindset. Does that make sense? And, And so what happens up here is our, the way we're doing local capacity is really to scale programs it comes back to our, our programmatic approach to how we add. The way we're going to grow our church is through programs. So we've got to have volunteers being mobilized, and we have to build capacity locally that's going to increase our ability to do more programs.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: that makes sense? Yep.
3: Yeah.
1: All three of those things, all of these are really pointing to our programmatic. So on that first chart that we had over here, We've cut off the multiply end, and instead of getting the bullseye here, look what's happened. Our bullseye is the programmatic piece, where we're, we are perfectly designed in a level three operating system to get exactly what we're getting. That makes sense? So the difficulty in this is where culturally, where people are, we are we're, this is where the countercultural thing comes in we're trying to offer programs that will please and reach the customer is that really busy person in culture so we're trying to adapt our programmatic approach to how do we reach this culture that's really busy and here's the the counterintuitive thing is we are not doing any favors in the way we're doing it because we are allowing people in that approach to not have to be part of a 24-7 lifestyle of, of living your faith in a family we're playing to the pick three and it's fueling our programmatic piece all right Ralph can you help with the Q&A stuff sure we're, we're, we've tapped to 11 right yep all right if there's no questions you can have along long bit.
0: So just on this last one, what's the Jesus way?
1: On uh, capacity building. Capacity building. Um, I you know, I wish we had directly more of the, the, that's why I I jokingly say it's just more messy because it wasn't like there's a whole lot of commands. We are, I, I mean, I think we can look into the New Testament and see Paul's direction to churches and how things ought to function and everything, but I think if these two, here's how I would try to answer it. These two dimensions are the active functional things. So the answer to the question lies in what does it mean to if you if we can figure out these two. What does it mean to build local capacity that helps support the Jesus way of doing these? Could this be where
2: prayer in asking
1: it it absolutely has to and let
2: me let me add this I'm, I'm a nut for the book of Acts when you when you look down here I see the Apostles in Acts chapter 8 remaining in Jerusalem they were told to leave all except the Apostles fled Philip goes into Samaria you hear that story Acts chapter 11 you 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 pick it up there's mobilization by persecution uh, all, those who fled went to Cyprus and Cyrene and those other places some however get as far as Antioch and and then over here the multiplication is that they they left something behind in Antioch they started a church of Jews only however some preach the gospel of Gentiles a new church is born Paul and and Barnabas end up because now it begins to be structured they move out and, and you get to Acts chapter 14 where Paul is stoned mm-hmm. he, he runs back to the cities where he's been and appoints uh, elders from disciples that he's made in all the cities, that whole missionary trip was two years and four months. He didn't have very much time with those people. So here you get this this, this hair trigger response of we're going to go and establish something and license somebody, and I don't mean with a piece of paper, but we give them permission to do the thing that comes natural. We made a disciple out of you, you make a disciple out of somebody else. To me, that's they were closer to Jesus. That's gotta be the Jesus style of this thing. And if we believe that, um, that when you give, you receive, then there's no real threat here. Um, you know, my life has been all that. I'm sorry for hugging
1: the time. No, it's perfect. I, well, in the third session this afternoon, when I said Ralph's gonna talk about the future of micro I, I, again, not that it's the answer, but if you start with these two dimensions, part of the issue in a in a bi expression with micro church expression, it is much easier to put the Jesus way of disciple making in place, and the living in common, and the cent- when you're not tied to a financial model that that is fearful of letting go, you you, you, you can. Our, our gut is that you see these two dimensions a little bit better in the micro Bible future. And now the question mark is, so what does it look like to support that from a capacity standpoint? And Ralph will be talking some about that this afternoon. But wouldn't you
2: say part of Paul's,
1: part of that Acts tension is in some way he did it like Shadon.
2: We're, we're going to each of these places and we're starting groups. And the groups aren't starting with the most super mature, perfect people. Thus, I have to write back these letters to always rein them in. But I didn't wait
1: till I had 20 seminarians who would follow my control, right. Yeah. right? So, I mean, it sounds like if Shidank is starting a group after six weeks, it's let them go, and when they make a mistake, we'll, we'll intervene. Yeah. We'll tell them what they did wrong, but let's let them be fluid. So it's not just an economic control. I think. The American Church has definitely got a control freak issue. Don't you think? Yeah, I. There's definitely a control, and I still think if you follow the ties back in a lot of the cases, you, you'll it'll still come back to money in some ways.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay. Our church, that's planted 200 and some churches, we have a You know, there's some churches we'll put over fifty thousand dollars into, or well, a whole lot more. We we're a lot more controlling on a church that we're putting $10,000 into than we are $5,000. It's just natural. So I, I think through networks, denominations, even individual churches, money does still speak at the end of the day too. There's a word. Could this capacity to mission be about, about leadership? Because I, I think about Paul pouring into Timothy and then, and then control's not bad. I mean, monetarily maybe, right. but he says guard your doctrine. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe that capacity leaders I don't know if I'm just way out it. and I I don't want you to hear us saying there shouldn't be accountability or there shouldn't that there has to be accountability in all of it let let me he's been trying so
3: what do Sundays look like with reduced emphasis
1: and reduced resources Uh, are we only gonna maybe do Sundays once a month or maybe uh, we don't have paid pastors anymore. I mean, those sort of us who are pastors don't about our jobs under these models. But uh, I'm just wondering what it actually
2: looks like in real life. Let me let me respond to that because Jeremy and I have been talking. He's he's pastoring a level three church. Sunday should look exactly like it always looked, and you should do something off in a corner because you don't want to destroy a wineskin. skin. Uh you, you, you should leave.
1: But we reduce resources. That but, means but,
2: but you but you minimally that's where the microbival thing comes in. You, you you start with a lab thing and you experiment and then then ten years from now you may have changed this culture by virtue of your success. But if you go in here and go, we're gonna bust this thing up so we can go out and do this, uh, we're all just gonna end but up. But I in for a new church, let's say we can start fresh. What would you project Sunday to look like? You're going to talk a little bit about that in the next yeah, session. A little bit about that, and I wrote a book that's on the Exponential website called From New to Five. Uh, I started a church at, as at level 5 in Hawaii uh, after having started at, at wannabe to be level 3 in California. And so, you, you know, it gets into that. But, you know, the one thing that I would caution is, you, 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 you need, there's a tension here. Okay? I need to be open to change and embrace what I just saw up here. Uh, at the same time, I don't need to go and, and break the wineskin and destroy what God built. Uh, I, th- that is a real tension. Yeah, you talked, sorry, when you uh, describe a disciple, you know, uh, is there like an end game? Like, when does a disciple, a disciple, who can disciple, or is it just a very fluid process? Do you have a, an A to Z, or is it just like a and who knows what B, C, and D will be. Uh, to me, uh, the, the success is when they start to make a disciple, and, and that can be two weeks in. And we've actually had this numerous times where uh, we're going through some material together. Well, you went through it, now you can take somebody else through it, and, and, the, and they're following literally two weeks behind. Uh, we had a situation where a guy started a micro church out of the church I was in in Honolulu, and he had a pretty rough background. So he's happy in our middle class church, but he also has another foot in the world. Uh, He never went to jail, but a lot of his friends did. And so he starts a micro church with people coming out of prison, and one after another. I I was big shot in prison in, in Honolulu. I was on the radio like 15 times a week. One five day a week broadcast was just for the guys in jail. And Even we had to move it because uh, at bedtime when they were shutting everything down, the doors were clanging. Somebody got out of jail and came and said, would you move the broadcast, and we did. So they're coming out, they'll come to our church one time and we lose them. So Randy starts a, a, a little micro church. Some guy who went into prison as a born again Christian who hated church, finds his church, gets all excited about it, and I don't even know this guy's name, but Randy, gave him permission to go start another one. Uh, I don't know what, if it carried a name, I don't know, whatever, but that, there's that loosey-goosey side of things that, that that is Paul creating chaos and having to go back and pick up the pieces that we're afraid of. In America. I'm afraid of it, and, and yet I let it happen but I, uh, you know, when I do it. So I think, coming back to your question, the issue is I, I'm beginning to have done my job when my disciple begins to make another <laughs> disciple. And, and I stay in relationship with them my whole life if I can. Right. And you don't put a time restriction on I don't put any time restriction on anything. And, and curriculum is, we're always reading stuff together. I used to be a NAV guy. And, and we started to find that a little bit constraining. So we started going into areas of need and interest. And, and we read books together and then we just work out of that. There was one over here.
0: Yeah, so uh, what... Uh thinking on like a volunteer level. What pushes a volunteer from level three beliefs to a level four belief of reproducing? You know, like I feel like we're really good at adding as a church or as a ministry, I guess I should say. Um, but what like what pushes a level three individual into that level four? How can we coach to do that? Um,
1: I We are gonna address that a little bit in the next session, which is on the mobilization calling piece. But um, I think it's a really hard one. Like, I I think you've gotta find the sphere of influence that you can influence in. Um, I, I, I think you can trust that within the volunteer ranks, if it's true that God has given each person a unique calling, a unique gifting, a unique thing, then there's a discontentedness that people carry and trying to figure out how to discover that discontentedness, and on a one-by-one basis, you can link the discipling to it, where it's a helping people find their unique calling and their unique expression. So I think it's harder to do on a large scale where there's a level three thing in place, but you can you can find through disciple making a smaller sphere where you can go one-on-one. With it. Do you have anything else? To-
2: yeah, I, I wrote a book, and if you, if you find it, it's horrible right now. I, I went After putting it on Amazon, I found a bunch of mistakes. It's called Uncovering Hidden Talent in Your Church. And the whole idea is we would take a, a children's church class and break the, the leadership from, instead of having one teacher in there, one person brings a lesson, one person brings a craft, one person brings the cookies and juice, and one person sits there and be friends, the wiggly little kid, or the kid who got beat up by their stepfather during the week, or whatever. And and so we're recruiting always to that friend position, and we're and then so you bring you the recruiters are the people in the class. You bring your friend into the thing, and you're always recruiting to the bottom. And then as you move to something else, everybody moves up the line. And, and so we kind of systematize that, and 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 so it's a discipling. Process that's within doing a, 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 a task inside the church. And we did that in pretty much every job in the church. We tried to turn everything into four jobs, and recruitment became very easy because it's just, hey, come help me do this. And then
0: you grow from there. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers Podcast. Have you signed up for the next national disciple making forum? every year disciple makers from across the country and around the world gather together in one place to learn disciple making save your seat and register now you can find a registration link at discipleship.org at checkout use promo code podcast to get 20 percent off your tickets in addition to this podcast you'll find many other great discipleship resources at discipleship.org as well may the lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker